Hey Rams, this is Becky Tompkins here, welcoming you to our first assessment literacy series for August 31st, 2018. Um, just a couple things as we get started. So I'm trying this presentation via podcast. It's my very first podcast, so please be patient with me. If I do a lot of umming, um, just as I just did, forgive me, and hopefully as I get used to this format, those ums will become less and less. So welcome again, and let's get started with our assessment literacy series. As I talk through these opening slides, it will be handy if you can either grab an assessment that you currently have that's easily accessible, or get an assessment in your mind, because in a few slides I'm going to ask you to consider a few questions. Also, this presentation is probably best experienced with people in your learning-driven team. So your people on your grade-level team, departments, um, or just somebody else to talk through. If you're by yourself with this presentation, that'll work too. So um, let's get started. So again, our first assessment literacy presentation. So let me set the stage here. I want you to take a look at that assessment that you have or think about an assessment that you've recently given. And as you are thinking about that assessment, I want you to answer these questions in your head. Why did you give that assessment at that point in time? And a related question is, what was the purpose of that assessment? Did that assessment give you the information that you needed and what inferences from the data gathered by the assessment were you able to make? And probably the most important question of all when we talk about assessments is this. What were your actions based on those inferences? If you're listening to this via the podcast and you're working with a group, you may want to hit pause and spend a few minutes talking about those questions. Okay, so hopefully you've spent some time either thinking about those questions or talking to people about them. So let's move on, and um, we're going to begin with a little bit of affirmation. And the affirmation essentially is this. As educators, we know a lot about assessments. We certainly um, give a lot of assessments. And I guess I, I should really outline that this assessment literacy series that we're talking about really is focused and based on those classroom assessments that you give. Certainly we give lots and lots of state and um, you know, national assessments sometimes, but this assessment literacy series, I'm asking you to really think about those classroom assessments that you give. So again, some more af affirmation. Assessment is information related to instruction. Classroom assessment develops self-regulating instruction. So assessments that are aligned to an instruction and aligned to the purpose of the assessment result in meaningful, actionable information. And we use that information to guide intentional, accurate instructional decisions. And really, I can't emphasize that enough, and that's going to be a reoccurring theme as we go through our assessment literacy series. If we don't use that classroom assessment data to make intentional, actionable, instructional decisions, then we haven't really used that assessment to its full potential. 
Now, because of the relationship between classroom instruction and classroom assessment, they have to be aligned. Instruction, assessment. Assessment regulates instruction. Any information that we gain from classroom assessments must be able to be used easily and well. So the deal really is, without effective classroom assessments to regulate our instruction, we're blindly following a path that may or may not allow us to arrive at our intended destination. So our instructional practices, processes, what we do on a day-to-day basis may be exemplary. But if we aren't using aligned assessments to give us information along the way about the effectiveness of those instructional practices, then we will not end up where we want to be. And that really is that symbiotic relationship between instruction and assessments. Now, this is a really interesting slide. Um, So if we're building on the idea that assessments provide a tool for self-regulated instruction, then our assessments need Appearing on the questions that began this presentation, one of the questions was some like, um, why did you give this assessment? And I would think that many people said they gave this assessment to give a grade. So grades do come out of assessments. However, grading really is uh, it's a, an arbitrary construct that's put on top of the assessments. Assessments are about information. So assessments need to be more about than just attaining grades. Thomas Gusky, he's an expert in effective grading. Um, and he has this, this uh, famous line that he says. He gives presentations all the time. And if you see him on Twitter, many, many people take a picture of this slide and post it on Twitter. But the slide says this. Teachers can teach without grades. Students can learn without grades. And that statement's correct. Grades are not necessary in the instructional cycle. I want to extend that statement, however, and say this. Teachers can teach effectively with aligned assessments, and students can learn effectively with aligned assessments. Now, if our classroom assessments should guide our instructional decisions, then those classroom assessments are high stakes. They're stakes because we want the conclusions that we're drawing about students' learning to be true and accurate. And because we want those results to provide us with information that we can use to make actionable instructional decisions. Our time, our time as educators, our time is the most precious and absolutely um, most important um, commodity that we have. We can't waste our time. We have to make sure that whatever time we spend is an investment of time, and our assessments allow us to do that. So let's talk a little bit about then, um, after that introduction, then what this assessment literacy series is going to be. So there'll be four presentations on each of our four professional learning days in August, November, December, and February. And for each of these professional learning days, we'll be exploring different aspects of assessment literacy. So the August series topic will be about test validity and valid inferences based on assessments. 
In November, we'll extend the series with the topic of item alignment and target method match. December's topic will be uh, incorporating stretch into assessments. And then we'll wind up the series talking about assessment blueprints. So let's get this month's assessment literacy series started with the topic of validity. So I want to start with an example, or excuse me, a definition of assessment literacy. And this definition comes from one of the experts in assessment literacy, um, W. James Popham. So his definition of assessment literacy is this. Assessment literacy consists of an individual's understanding of the fundamental assessment concepts and procedures deemed likely to influence educational decisions. Let me read that one more time. Assessment literacy consists of an individual's understanding of the fundamental assessment concepts and procedures deemed likely to influence educational decisions. So this series is about identifying those fundamental assessment concepts like test validity and stretch and procedures like target method match, item alignment, and assessment blueprints that are deemed likely to influence educational decisions. Now, again, some affirmation. So this information isn't new, but it's important to create a context. So the reason we teach is for students to learn. And we teach standards, cognitive skills, and bodies of knowledge. As educators, we want our students to learn, and we want our instructional efforts to be successful. Assessment is the tool that allows educators to figure out if students have or the degree to which they have mastered those educational aims. Because here's the issue. Oftentimes, times learning is what W. William Popham, excuse me, W. James Popham calls a covert process. Generally, you can't get a handle of what a student knows or the degree to which he or she knows it by just looking at the student. In order to figure that out, we need students' covert knowledge to be demonstrated in an overt manner. And that overt manner is the assessment. If we want to see inside students' heads to see what that student has learned, then we must create an assessment that allows us to do so. We need an observable way to get a fix on a student's unobservable status. So our first topic is validity. W. James Popham says this, without validity, educational testing would have no point, no purpose, and no legitimate application. The standards for educational and psychological testing say this, validity is therefore the most fundamental consideration in developing tests and evaluating tests. So in order to accurately make the unobservable observable so that we can draw appropriate instructional conclusions and make appropriate instructional decisions, validity is the key. All right, now let me read through the slide um, in validity. Does it, does the assessment measure what it intends to measure? So Popham says this, validity is the degree to which an evidence-based argument supports the accuracy of a test's interpretations 
for a proposed use of the test results. Validity is the degree to which an evidence-based argument supports the accuracy of a test's interpretation for proposed use of the test results. Okay, so that's pretty dense. So the proposed use of the, the assessment, um, you know, why are we giving this assessment in the first place? What is the evidence-based argument based on the results of that particular assessment? And then what evidence supports that evidence-based argument? Now, Popham lays out a pretty interesting idea. He says that tests in and of themselves aren't valid or invalid. Instead, it's the argument or the conclusion based on that assessment's results and drawn by the teacher that is valid or invalid. So in other words, is the conclusion that I'm drawing about a student's learning based on this assessment accurate? Am I able to use the test results for the purpose that I intended in order to make accurate instructional decisions? So let's talk a little bit about um, this idea of what an argument is. An argument is based on evidence-based claims and reasoning and conclusions that are drawn from that evidence. So a really simple way to illustrate this, uh, to illustrate Popham's idea is this. So if I say my argument or my conclusion is that penguins can fly, and you say, okay, Becky, what is your evidence to support this? And I say my evidence is this. All birds have wings. All birds can fly. Penguins have wings. Therefore, penguins can fly. Now, in this example, I have some accurate and some inaccurate facts, but my argument is an invalid argument. Even though I have some, some facts in there which are act, true and accurate, they are not supporting that argument that I have in place that, that penguins can fly. So, if I make an argument with facts, but the facts don't support my argument, the facts don't change necessarily, but my argument is invalid. Now, at this point, I, I don't want to get lost in the weeds of is the test, the test valid or is an argument valid, um, because this really is the deal. Are the inferences that we are making based on an assessment accurate? And are these conclusions based on those inferences actionable? So are the inferences that I'm making as a result of the assessment, are they accurate? And are my inferences actionable? So there's a lot going on there, and I'll show you an example in a few slides. I also wanted to throw this out, out there because we'll circle back around and talk more about this when we talk to Stretch. So I'm sure you've heard about, um, you know, assessment for learning, assessment of learning, both of those. So assessment for learning tends to be formative, assessment of learning are more summative assessments. So um, if, let's see, for learning is formative assessments, it's used to adjust instruction, and assessment of learning is at an endpoint of an instructional circle. Okay, so either way, it doesn't matter, because we are looking for characteristics or qualities of our assessments that are going to provide information that supports a valid argument that we will be making about a student's learning. So the slide says we need evidence that has instructional sensitivity. That is an assessment that measures the degree to which the test will yield results that are actionable and informing instructional decisions.
Okay? And what that really means is this. If we want to make valid arguments about what a student knows or doesn't know in relation to standard skills concepts, very rarely does a student 100% know or 100% not know. Usually they are somewhere in between. There are some pieces and components that they know and some that they do not. So this idea of instructional sensitivity is an important concept in test validity because instructional sensitivity or stretch will measure the degree to which students understand that standard idea or concept. Okay, so let me um, show you three or four test items examples and kind of talk through um, what I've been sharing about test validity up to this point. Now, I'm going to be showing you individual test items, so um, you know, think about and extrapolate these out. I'm using individual items to make an example for an entire test, so kind of roll with me here with this. Um, take a look at this test item. So it's based on the standard, um, correctly named shapes regardless of their orientation or overall size. Um, so uh, the, why I want to use this particular item is I want to know the degree to which a student understands the standard. So um, to what degree can a student correctly name shapes regardless of their orientation or overall size? So this item asks, gives students a series of shapes and asks them to point to a shape, to name the shape, and then to point to all of the shapes that are identified. So my evidence, and you can see on this slide, uh, if you're viewing along, that the student has correctly identified the cylinders and the triangles. They have not correctly identified any of the, um, the pentagons. Okay, so again, just kind of keep in mind my purpose for this item is to determine the degree to which students can correctly name shapes regardless of the orientation or overall size. So the student has correctly identified the triangles and the cylinders, none of the other shapes. Okay, so my evidence-based argument is that students have no knowledge of pentagons. What evidence do I have to support this? The student is able to identify all of the triangles and cylinders, regardless of their size, but can identify no pentagons. So is there enough evidence to persuade me of this argument? Well, there's only one item, but again, work with me or think about this extrapolating to a test, an entire test, and let's say yes. So does this particular item lead me to be able to make a valid evidence-based argument? Generally, yes. I want to know the degree to which a child has mastered the standard. And this has shown me the degree to which, that there are some shapes that a student knows and there are some shapes that a student doesn't. Does this give me information that is instructionally actionable? And the answer is yes. So I can take this information to know what kind of instruction to uh, do with this child tomorrow or next week, but it gives me something substantial. Okay, so let's take a look at another example. So the standard is food webs can be used to identify the relationships among producers, consumers, and decomposers in an ecosystem. So the assessment item shows a picture of a rabbit, a tiger, an earthworm, and grass and flowers, and asks which of the choices below describes the roles of the four organisms in correct order from left and right. 
So the child, the student, has incorrectly identified the order as uh, item B, which is decomposer, consumer, consumer, producer. So does this item allow me to make a valid argument about this particular item? So here's the proposed use of this test item. Did my students meet, did this, my students master this standard? Okay, so the evidence-based argument that I'm making is that students did not master this standard. What evidence am I using to support this? The student selected the incorrect response. Now, does this item lead me to make a valid evidence-based argument? And the answer is no. Now, here's what's interesting. The item is valid. It's aligned to the standard. But my purpose for this item was to determine whether or not the, the student met mastery of the standard. And my conclusion was, because the student got this item wrong, he or she did not master the standard. This is an invalid argument because this particular item, although aligned to the standard, is not aligned to mastery of the standard. So I'm making an invalid argument based on the purpose of my test, which is mastery. Another example, the standard is use sentence level context as a clue to the meaning of a word or phrase. The student is given a stimulus, which is this, Aaron decided to complete in a decathlon. What is a decathlon? And the student responded with this, a decathlon is, is a, um, an event with 10 track and field events. Okay. So the purpose of this item was to determine the degree to which students are meeting a standard. My evidence-based argument is that the student got this correct. The student met the standard. What evidence supports this? The student correctly identified the definition of decathlon. Now, does this item lead me to a valid evidence-based argument? And the answer is no. My argument that the student has met the standard is an invalid argument. Although the student did respond correctly, it's not through the use of context clues. This item is not aligned to the standard. And this item doesn't even give me anything instructionally actionable because it's not aligned to the standard. All I know is that a student knows what decathlon is. I have no information about the, either the degree to which or if a student has mastered the standard. And I have one more item for you. So this item standard is analyze the causes and consequences of major political, economic, and social developments of the 1930s with emphasis on the Dust Bowl. And there's a picture of the United States with different regions marked A, B, C, D, E. The question is, which of the following areas are most associated with the Dust Bowls of the 1930s? And the student has correctly identified the states where uh, most of the states in the, the Dust Bowl, that correct region. So my use of this test item is to determine the degree to which a student understands the standard. My evidence-based argument is this. The student knows that the region of the United States in which the Dust Bowl occurred was the Great Plains area the student has some evidence, or excuse me, some knowledge of the standards. What evidence to support this? The student correctly identified the region of the U.S. Um, or the Dust Bowl states. Is there enough evidence to persuade me of this argument? Yes. 
Does this item lead to a valid evidence-based argument? And the answer is yes. So this item does not match the level of mastery of the standard, but it does allow me to gain information about entry-level knowledge. My purpose with this item was just to be able to identify an entry point of instruction, and this question helped me to better understand and therefore create a valid argument. Now, of course, if I'm looking for mastery, this item would not allow for a valid argument of the student's understanding of this particular standard. Okay, so we've quickly gone through assessment literacy and validity. What I'd like for you to, to think about, and as you go in and start using your classroom assessments this year, is the idea of not just a valid test, but is that assessment allowing you to make a valid argument excuse me, of a student's learning. So does this assessment, <coughs> excuse me, allow you to make an accurate and actionable evidence-based argument about a student's learning from your instruction based on the purpose of the assessment? If you are able to make an accurate and actionable evidence-based argument about students' learning that meets the purpose of your assessment, then you have a valid argument that's in place. Thank you so much for your time today. I'd love to know what you think about assessment literacy, valid arguments or test items, or anything else about professional learning. Tweet at me using the hashtag RLSD1819. Thanks so much for your time, Rams. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I look forward to November with our next part in the assessment literacy series.